right, welcome to the Let It Fly show. We have a unique location and a very unique guest. We'll tell you about that. But remind you, always brought to you by Omaha Steaks, a great gift to give. And since 1917, supplying wonderful food to restaurants all over the area, including very soon Memorial Day, the Let It Fly Sports Bar. You'll be able to get some of that as well. I am Michael Severe. He is Josh Jones, of course, former Creighton Blue Jay and Central Eagle. Thank you, brother. Don't want to forget about that at all. <laughs> we have a very special guest. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking with Coach Tom Osborne. Um, have you chatted with Coach much? Um, probably like three times. Okay. Always been in passing at banquets. Yeah. Obviously, uh, just the legend behind who he is is always utmost respect, but this is the first time up close and personal. Yeah, and of course, we, um, we'll talk a lot about teammates because he's a co-founder of it along with his wife, Nancy. Yeah. You were a teammate kid? I were. No, actually, I was a teammate meant to you were for oh. a day. Oh, okay. So Creighton, essentially, um, we had a teammate, Creighton Teammates Day. Yeah. And uh, I want to say Boom Creek. Nebraska. Oh, really? They drove up 2009, and um, we had a um, a hard practice. I don't know if I don't know what it was, but we always practice hard on the teammates' day. Right. Hard practice. The kids came. We had pizza. We did a little dunk contest. Oh, nice! And then after that, we played the game the next night. Oh, it was, that's it was cool. tight. I that's liked cool. it. And from there, to be honest with you, um, I'm not gonna say teammates kind of like inspired me, but it was a uh, one piece of aspiration to you know allow me to give back to my own community in the ways that I do today yeah it's 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 a really cool program and and a lot of people know a lot about it it's even bigger now because it's spread across the state there's so many kids that are involved with it so many adults involved with it and uh just earlier this week you had the governor governor Pillen, talking about how this was going to be mentoring month here in Nebraska and five million dollars every year yeah going towards mentoring and this is something they had to put on the back burner because of COVID, but they're also going to encourage government employees yeah. to be mentors as well. Yeah. So you'll have that group you'll be getting into as well. So yeah, it's a, we'll talk more about it, of course, with coach. Yep. Uh, when he comes in, he'll come in about eight or nine minutes, but I want to look back on a couple of games. Now when this airs, it'll be after the most current game for Creighton and Nebraska, but I want to go back to a couple, a nice day for both teams. Yeah. Nebraska needed a win over Penn State badly. Yeah. <laughs> um, they needed Casey Tominaga to yeah. go crazy, yeah. which he did. And so I have this question for you as, as a guy who played, played at this level, mm-hmm. right? How does a team like Penn State allow that many backdoor cuts? I know. I thought we, I thought we were watching Pete Carell in, yeah. uh, in Princeton, man. I mean, honestly, it, sometimes it just comes to uh, – Dead legs. I mean, you think so? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the backdoor cuts I seen, I seen Tamika do a backdoor cut from the corner. Yeah, I just seen one of the players just ball watching and sitting in dead legs. Yeah, and I'm not knocking uh, Tamika like he can't. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like he didn't do nothing great mm-hmm. because with him it's like that thirty for thirty. What if I told you? <laughs> what if you I know, told you thirty yeah. for thirty? <laughs> yeah, and he did you it know? in thirty one minutes, which is crazy. Every time he was on the floor, yeah. um, and he was 5 of 10 from 3, which yeah. is always good for him, but that many layups. And I, it looked like they were being – Penn State was being so aggressive on defense, stretching their, their defense right. out, letting all that backdoor cut happen. Yeah. I, it, was, it was a good – Nebraska yeah. needed it. it but was a good also, win for them. they um, – I mean, yeah, it's a four-game four game losing streak for Nebraska. Yep. That's huge. But for t- uh, Penn State, is it's terrible because – They when need it, that. When, yeah, when it comes to – it's almost tournament time. Yeah, they were on the bubble. Yeah, exactly. Yep, and yep. what what is that going uh, going to do in Wisconsin with Chucky Hepburn? Yeah, that's that's going to be tough. Well, they're coming to town, uh, and that's going to be a big one for Nebraska. We again, they played played Michigan by the time you hear this. But the, anytime 
Chucky, I'm guaranteeing you, anytime Chucky's got an opportunity to go against yeah, Nebraska, yeah. I'm guessing For sure. he's play his best no, basketball. You, you, you know what I mean. There's yeah. a bunch of you guys like that, that that got away, maybe didn't go to Nebraska, yeah. or got out of state, or just went to Creighton. Yep. They're like, hey, this is, yeah. I'm going to put my I'm name home. on this game. I'm home. I'm put my name on this no, game. No, exactly. But uh, good for Nebraska <laughs> to, to get to 11 wins at that point. I don't know how many more wins are on the schedule. Yeah. But if, if they could somehow get to 14, 15 wins, I mean, it, it would be interesting. Would they be close enough to maybe win one game in the Big Ten tournament and get to the NIT? I thought about that. I mean, yeah. it's a possibility. Yeah. CBI, of course, is there as well right. and that kind of stuff. So I don't, I'm not sure. But it, same day, Creighton has a, a wonderful performance against a really good, I think, going to be a really good Villanova team. Oh, yeah, Not sure. healthy. Yeah, no, I, I think the Villanova team that they beat um, is going to make a run in the tournament. Oh, yeah. I mean, before the NCAA, the Big East tournament. I mean, yeah. that team matches up with Creighton so well. Creighton, the more that I have watched them each and every game, yeah. that I learned that Ryan Kalkbrenner, yeah. he's the difference of every game that they play. Yeah, he's the hub. He's, he, he holds the whole one hundred percent. And if you think about that game, I mean, watching the stats, like the stats were pretty even. Yep. I mean, free throw shooting, 80 to 82%, mm-hmm. three-point uh, percentage was both down for for both teams, but yeah. that game for Creighton came down to executing when it counted. You know they were up ten or something like up that. Up ten with fourteen twenty seven in the second half, yeah. and that's when Villanova went on an eight zero run right. to pull within two. And from there on, it was just back and forth. Them free throws, yeah. You know, and then the, the clutch. Big, well, hey, I, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, in the timeout, Villanova drew up a play. And they came out and ran a three for their five man. Yeah. You know, that just shows how much confidence that they have in their five. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that to say that uh, for Villanova, they probably are looking back at film in a sense of like, hey, we can get better in these areas. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're really tripping off that loss as bad. Yeah. But well, huge I, for Creighton. I know this. The Big East tournament's going to be wild. Oh, man. Because, I mean, even, you know, UConn we've talked about before. Yep. And we talked a little about Marquette. Um, and, of course, Villanova and Creighton's playing well. But, I mean – I think there's probably six teams that yeah. could win that tournament. Literally. Just get hot. Literally. Yeah. That, it's going to be fun to watch. And it's always fun in New York, you know, because it's, it's such a great atmosphere, right. you know, being there. Uh, so Creighton now, 16th in the NET rankings at this point when we're talking now. Right. Um, which is great from where they were. Anytime yeah. you can go on a six-game yeah. losing streak yeah. and look up, Three weeks, four weeks and later, and win six in a row, and win six in a row. Yeah, you know, I mean that's it's it's a heck of a move yeah. by them. Um, and you look at the teams they have. So they have a Georgetown one, which we can, that happened by the time you talk. But then you look at what they're going to do in terms of um, going forward. Yeah, if Carpenter stays healthy, if Nimhart continues to play where he's playing, and Alexander continues to finish yeah. around the rim the way he's finishing, he he's a tough kid. Man. I mean, he's one of those guys where I feel like we didn't give him the solidified credit that I felt like we should have in the beginning when we talked to him. I think we held him accountable when we talked to him in Vegas, rightfully so. But he has been the most consistent when it comes to knowing what you're going to get from him every single game. I think he has reached kind of where he was last year a little bit in confidence. Because you talked a lot about how he was playing and maybe his confidence was a little lost when we were in Vegas. He's just confident now. Because when when you're willing to go in and take that kind of – that kind of a shot, like he took for some of those. I mean, yeah. it was it was huge watching him uh, yeah. make those baskets and get stuff done. Of course, we are joined by, as I mentioned, a very special guest, uh, a man who does not need an introduction, but I always give it anyway. Former Nebraska football coach, uh, U.S. Congressman, of course, AD at Nebraska, and the co-founder of Teammates as well, along with his wife Nancy. Tom Osborne joining us here on Let It Fly Show. Coach, how you doing? Well, still vertical. That's good. <laughs> That's half the battle. 
Uh, start off as we always do with teammates. How are things going right now? How was the gala? How are you guys doing? How is uh, the organization doing? Well, we're we're doing well. Obviously, the uh, the COVID deal yeah. is tough, and uh, for two reasons. Number one, a lot of schools were shut down, and then sometimes some of our older mentors were real anxious to go in the school. Sure, and uh, so we had about a thousand mentors trained and ready to be matched. And because the schools are closed, we couldn't match them. So some of those folks have stayed with us. Some have fallen away. But we're doing well. We're about 10,000 matches in about 191 school districts. We're in five states. Mm. So it's going well. Wow. That's amazing. And um, I went to Creighton myself. Yeah. Um, we had, mm-hmm. I was telling Michael before you came on that we had our um, our own Creighton Teammates Day. And we had a, uh, um, um, what did I say, Boone Creek? Boone Creek. You yeah. said, I don't know where that is. Yeah. <laughs> Dro- drove up to Omaha, and uh, after a basketball practice, we uh, participated with the, with the um, you know, with the youth. It was great. And then they mm-hmm. had a game after. Just um, saying that small piece and hearing what you're saying, when you started the teammates program with your wife, did you guys imagine it being as vast as it is now mm-hmm. and as many it's got to be at least 8,000, 10,000 kids, probably plus that are, in, are impacted. Did you imagine it being what it is today? Well, no, it's, it's like a lot of things. Most, most businesses, I don't think, that, that have progressed to being pretty large, anyone when they started would think that it would. And uh, the thing, the reason for our starting teammates was uh, I've had uh, 36 years of coaching. Hmm. I was really impacted by the changes that I saw over those 36 years. Is when I first started uh, coaching, very seldom went out to recruit a young man, wasn't living under the same roof with both biological parents. And uh, so the family structure changed rather dramatically. And we saw the advent of the drug culture, late 60s, early 70s. And I'd say today very few kids get through middle school without at least having the opportunity sure. to participate in something that's illegal. And then, of course, messages, some of the music lyrics, some of the stuff on TV, some of the stuff on the Internet, and then social media. Yeah. There's a lot of messages that would not have been allowed on the, on the airwaves 20 years ago. So it's a confusing time, difficult time. Yeah. For young people. So, anyway, uh, back in 1991, Nancy asked me if there's something we could do. I said, well, I'll, I'll get up front of our team, <laughs> see what they say. And uh, so I proposed to our players, they said, if, if you guys would be interested in mentoring, 7th, 8th grade boy in Lincoln Public Schools, mm-hmm. we'll see what they say and see if we could match you up. So 21, 22 hands went up and... Guys like Will Shields were among those. And um, and so uh start out, we just said, well, be in the schools to see them once a week. And uh, and then it grew into Lincoln as a community, then across the state. And um, But of those 22 early matches, we we're somewhat gratified because of the 22 young men, 21 graduated on time. Mm-hmm. 
And one was riding dirt bikes around the country, and he graduated a year late. (laughs) (laughs) So they all graduated. And the thing that really surprised us was of the 22, 18 went on to college. And we thought maybe four or five from that group would go on to college. So anyway, we were pleased. And so having uh, that kind of result and that kind of interest on the part of our players, we began to expand the program. Big news this week with uh, Governor Pillen, $5 mm-hmm. million dollars each year towards mentorship. This is natural. This is going to be mentorship month here in Nebraska. What did that mean to you, the things he had to say in, in this offer? Well, Jim has uh, been very interested in young people. Mm-hmm. And so that was an initiative that he came forward with. Now, what the response of the legislature will be yeah. is anybody's guess because you can – you can have a proclamation, and but if they don't vote for it. But I, there were an awful lot of state senators in the room, and uh, I have a feeling that this is something that will go through pretty well. The thing that a lot of people don't realize is that the average high school dropout will cost society about $300,000 in the course of their lifetime. That would be wow. unemployment, mm-hmm. aided dependent children, food stamps, Sometimes substance mm-hmm. abuse, right. sometimes imprisonment, and um, and so uh, we graduated last year, ninety eight percent of our seniors. It was about there was about eight hundred of them, and uh, and I think it was much higher than the state or the national average. So we probably had maybe a hundred kids that graduated that would not have, and uh, mm. if you multiply a hundred by three. 300,000, that's 30 million. So it's very cost effective. And um, to date, we've mentored over 45,000 kids without any incident that was negative where a mentee got hurt or was somehow misled. Mm-hmm. So I feel pretty good about the results. And that's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I said eight to 10,000 just thinking about Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. That's a, that's a lot of lives being changed and amazing. Right. How many. Uh, do you have any, like, out of that vast of number of lives being changed, any key stories that you can kind of tell us about, success stories or anybody that came through the, uh, you know, the teammates program? Mm-hmm. Well, I've mentored six kids, one of them for 12 years, and uh, just talked to him this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's uh, went to Southeast Community College, and he is uh, – Doing well. He's in business. Works. Works at a good job. And uh, two others I mentored for eight years. Still mentoring one post-secondary. And uh, one thing that we found was that if somebody um, goes on to college and they have a um, they have a mentor, particularly if they're first generation, the re- the persistence rate is only sixty five percent. Go from year one to year two. If you provide a post-secondary mentor, somebody's been there, done that, the persistent, persistence rate's over 90%. So it makes a huge difference. So we, we do some post-secondary mentoring. Most of our mentoring is grade three through 12. Mm. And just to give you one quick story, uh, there's a young guy I was mentoring, a pretty bright guy, doing well. And then I... Uh, Happened to notice one day he was not doing well in math. Mm-hmm. 
And I talked to him about it, and he said, well, it was geometry. <laughs> said he hated geometry. So did I. I don't blame him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't understand it. And so he just quit going. Oh. And uh, so we had a little talk, and I said, you know, if you don't pass geometry, you don't graduate. Yeah. And it might be a good idea at least go to class. So, <laughs> yeah. So he went to class, graduated, and uh, he's graduating from Southeast College, he'll be going to the university next year. Oh, awesome. yeah. He'll, he'll live a good life. But there's a lot of stories like that where just a, a simple question or a gesture or yeah, yeah no, you're probably right. more importantly just being there. And, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Coach Rule talked about how important it was for him to have a conversation with you. You guys had a chance to talk some football. What has been your first impression of the new Nebraska football head coach? Well, I, I really like their work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, I thought for the amount of time they had, you know, and I, I haven't evaluated those players, but it seemed to me that they did about as well as they could mm -hmm. with only about a month to put that class together. And uh, I really like the fact that they're emphasizing state of Nebraska and that they're, uh, they're in the schools. Because um, if you only come to a school when that coach has a great player. Oh, yeah. And he hadn't seen you for 10 years. Um, it isn't that they're going to slam the door in your face. Yeah, for sure. But it makes a big difference. Yeah. And, uh, so if you have a relationship with the coaches, you usually find out which ones will level with you. Because some, some guys will have two or three players that they think are right. big-time players every year. Yeah. They probably don't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then some will say, well, this guy's kind of under the radar, but – I really think he could play for you. And um, so I think that's been good. And uh, like Matt, like his work ethic. And so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. For me, um, just just to be blunt about it, talking to Coach Rule, I mean, it's great that we can have this conversation before the season starts. You've talked to several head coaches. <laughs> um, Nebraska has essentially been struggling for, so to speak, since maybe 2015. Probably maybe a decade or two. Um, um, what do you think has been the issue with the program? And also, um, as a retired coach, have you had any type of, like, urge to want to, you know, put your input on it more than less or just let it be what it is? Well, I, I learned a long time ago that uh, nobody wants to be micromanaged. Particularly by somebody that's a has been, and uh, <laughs> but I I have talked to all of them, and I try to get the idea across that uh, over a period of forty two years, this wasn't just short time. Nebraska won more games than any other team. Yeah, from nineteen sixty two to Frank Solich is leaving in two thousand three. Mm -hmm. I think we won 82% of our games, and Ohio State was next with 75%. Yep. 60, 70 more wins. And uh, so I tried to point out the things that seemed to make a difference over that period of time. And uh, one of them was certainly um, making sure that everybody out for football was engaged. So you can have one offensive station, one defensive station. But if you have four stations, two offense, two defense, mm 
then everybody's getting snaps. Makes sense. And uh, your second unit is getting 90 snaps. Your first unit's getting 90 snaps. And uh, so when there's an injury or somebody isn't performing well, you've got somebody there that's ready. Yeah, because and, he's uh, the, the repetition. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, uh, but you know, coaches are creatures. Of so habit. nobody listen. <laughs> nobody listen. It's not easy though, right? Well, no, to yeah, have yeah. it running yeah. fluidly like you guys did with four stations. Yeah. Is yeah. it is hard to do? Let me ask you this because we talk so much about the walk-on program here and it is important. Mm-hmm. With the new portal system the way it is and, and you have guys coming in with more experience, you think that hurts the walk-on system a bit? Because those guys who mm-hmm. waited their two, three, four years just practicing and having a chance, maybe their redshirt junior year or redshirt senior year playing, maybe now mm-hmm. get pushed out a little bit because of the portals. How do you think that affects the walk-on well, system? Right. Yeah. Well, it could be. Um, but I still, I think if you have 150 players out there, mm-hmm. uh, it's good to have all 150 of them practicing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you're standing and watching, uh, <laughs> I know how you are when you're 18, 19. Yeah. You may be watching, but your your mind may be 100 miles away. Yeah, you think and, about after practice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah that and goes so, for basketball too, Coach, just to let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but, but there's lots of ways to win. Yeah. And, uh, I don't want to say that uh, the reason we haven't had more winning seasons is because of that one factor. For and, sure. Uh, so, and I I go down and watch practice, and I think every one of those coaches had, had quite a bit to offer. Yeah. But, uh, and I think going in the Big Ten, different style of football. It is. Yeah. It is. And so uh, you're not going to get many possessions. And um, so sometimes – uh, coaches rely on so-called chunk plays. They yep. get 40, 50 yards here, 40, 50 yards there. You don't get that many in the Big Ten. So you ha- you have to be able to put together 15, 16, 17 play drives and hang on to the ball. Otherwise, the time of possessions yeah. See, going to be 75, 25. Man, talking to you is amazing yeah, because well, from a viewership perspective, sometimes mm-hmm. – you know, uh, even me, myself, sometimes I can say, oh, man, I'm, this is boring. Or you're not really understanding what's going on with the schemes mm-hmm. and things. And you're breaking it down to me about it matters about style of play, but also the type of conference that you're in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just amazing to me. Right. Wow, that's amazing. Right. So I, I would have told you that Scott Frost was going to be successful here mm-hmm. based off of him understanding the state, understanding the program, those 42 mm-hmm. years you were talking about. It didn't work out. What? Why do you think it didn't work out? Well, there were a lot of factors. You know, number one, he probably didn't inherit a full cupboard of players, and then uh, came COVID. Yeah, yeah, and maybe a little bit of bad fortune in that there were awful lot of close games. They just didn't win, and uh, that's kind of the nature of football. Sometimes you play well. But you still don't win because of one thing or another. And uh, nobody nobody wanted Scott to be successful more than me. And um, so success is, me- is measured a lot of ways. But unfortunately or fortunately, the measuring stick is wins and losses. Yeah. And uh, Grantland Rice said one time, mm-hmm. for when the one great scorer comes to write against your name, it matters not that you – Won or lost, but how you played the game. 
Not when it comes but to if you, but, if you, <laughs> but if you sit down and talk to the average fan, yeah. they're not going to buy that. And uh, But I remember, you know, we lost to Florida State <clears throat> back in uh, 93. Right. And uh, we played really well. And they're 17-point favorites. And uh, we had a punt return for a touchdown call back and a couple other things. And we just didn't win. Mm-hmm. But I was really proud of that team because we played at the top level. And yeah. We played well enough to be national champions, but we weren't. And uh, and so uh, those things happen. But anyway, I, I, I like what I see of Matt, and I certainly wish him the very best. But I'm not going to be hanging around and saying Yeah, that. no micromanaging from you. <laughs> yeah, hey, Matt. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Matt, you got to play this guy. <laughs> that, that didn't work. Yeah, yeah right. 93 happened the way it did, but that led to unfinished business. Those mm-hmm. guys concentrating during the offseason, working even harder in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Maybe without 93, you don't win 94, 95. That could maybe be true. Led mm-hmm. into that a little bit. Yeah, they. Um, I remember they had, I don't know who it was, Boyd or somebody. Boyd definitely put minute 16 on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. It was there all summer when they were working out. And, uh, so they had that up in front of them, and they realized they came within a minute 16 of yeah. winning the national championship. And so there wasn't any real mystique about what you had to do to win a national championship, and yeah. and the work ethic was really good. But I think the thing that happened over that period of time was the level of confidence and the team chemistry really got to be exceptional. And... Uh, uh, an, an example of that was um, the end of the 1996 season. Have Grant Wisterman and Jason Peter come in to see me, and I knew they were projected to be first-round picks. And that was the end of their junior year. And I thought, well, I'm going to hear the speech. i got to do what's best for me and my family. <laughs> and uh, they said, you know, we went 11-2. and two. I said, yeah. They said, well, we didn't think that was good enough. I said, well, it could have been better. And they said, we're coming back. Mm. And uh, and they did, and they were great leaders. And without them, I don't think we would have been undefeated in 97. And um, so I never had a player when I was coaching who left early for NFL. And, and it really became... Heavily about about the team, mm. wow, and not so much about uh, the individual, yeah, and, uh, and that's hard to come by, you know. And I, I can't say I I created that. I don't. There were a lot of things that conspired to make that work, but it was a, a very interesting time. Wow, I talked to um, Jack Stark uh, when I played at Creighton, you know, mm-hmm. he was, um, he was on our team too. And, uh, yeah. he's always tell us stories about your teams and things like that. And talked about the unity council. Mm-hmm. Um, he said something about, um, there was, um, two, two players by two players or something like, that. I don't know the concept mm-hmm. of how it worked, but every, every player was responsible for another player. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can you kind of talk about, um, how that plan affected the years um, from the early 90s all the way up mm-hmm. until 97? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because in 1992, we went 9-3. and three. We lost a game to Oklahoma where Mickey Joseph got run into 
steel bench and was hurt badly and lost that game. Then we played uh, Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. They were undefeated, and we didn't have Mickey, and we got beat, and we we went 9-3. But we were really disappointed, and we said, hey, we're going to – we're going to do a reset. Everything's on the table. And so we looked at everything, nutrition, academics. We looked at at uh, uh, players. So Jack came up with the idea of the Unity Council, and what, it, what that was was there were two players selected from each position, two offensive linemen, two defensive oh, okay. linemen, two running backs, two defensive backs. And... Uh, they weren't chosen by the coaches. They were chosen by the players. And they met every Tuesday night, and their charge was to um, bring up anything that they felt was getting in the way of team unity. To each other? Yeah. And okay. Boyd Boy Epley would be in the room. And, oh, okay. And I think Jack would be there. And and so they'd come, come to me on Wednesday morning and say, well... Players didn't like what they had for lunch on Friday. <laughs> they didn't like the movie they saw before he played Missouri. And uh, and so I'd get up in front of them and say, okay, uh, I'll go talk to Cook. We won't have hot dogs on Friday. <laughs> we'll let you guys pick the movie. And But this idea of switching from, from Adidas to Nike, there's this thing called a contract. Mm. And we can't do that. <laughs> they try to swap to Nike. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sometimes they push them. But I think the um, the interesting thing was it gave them a voice. Yeah. And it wasn't just a, a suggestion box where. Yeah. But I would never hear those things. They would never come to my office and yeah. say, I didn't like what we had for lunch on Friday. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, and they developed a uh, discipline code. And. Um, so that was the deal when, when uh, Lawrence Phillips came deal came up, he was actually charged with two misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. There was no felony, and and so we disciplined him, as we would have a fourth team player, as, in terms of the discipline code. Right, he was suspended for six games, didn't start two others, but that wasn't what the storyline was, and. Uh, but our team, the more they beat on our head nationally, the tighter that team got because yeah. they realized that um, they uh, they were being disciplined the way they had decided they would be. And uh, so I think the good thing is we gave them some ownership and they took it and ran with it. Yeah, no, that's big. Coach, you were right there at the beginning of the college football playoff in terms of four teams. Now they're mm-hmm. talking about 12 and that structure. What's your feel about adding um, into the college playoff, expanding to 12, if that's where they go? Mm-hmm. Well, I can understand why people are pushing for it because right now the standard is, well, did you make the playoff? Yeah. And so when you only have four teams, that means you got four winners and a whole lot of got, uh, teams that aren't that uh, successful. And uh, But on the other hand, I think you have to look at the players and uh, right now, play 15 games, and you go to you go to school, and you have spring football, and or whatever you do in the summer. And so, um, I remember that um, Oregon played, I think it was Ohio State, and they had lost three starters. Oregon had, mm-hmm. and Ohio State just. Uh, 
beat him pretty soundly. And I think if you have to go another two or three games, you don't have the waiver wire. You know, you yeah, that makes sense. You can't pick up the phone and say, hey, we need you to come in and, and, uh, right. and play tackle for us. And uh, so I, I'm apprehensive about that. Just, uh, And it seems to me, my, my thought is that probably most every year among those four teams, you've got the best two. Yeah. You know. Seems like and, it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now somebody, there there may be an anomaly who's comes in there seventh or eighth and all of a sudden uh, gets hot and maybe yeah. gets a little bit lucky. Yeah. So I, I can see both sides of it. I can understand the, the coaches wanting more games, but I can also see the player's side of it. And uh, we looked at a ton of data on that selection committee and uh, – I think for the most part we got uh, got the four best teams, and and it really now has sort of destroyed the idea of the conference playoff game. Yeah, conference championship. I mean, that's just an extra game, but what does it mean? Right. Uh, yeah. So. yeah. Right. Because you you at now you wouldn't even be playing in that final four game anyway. You know. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 So no, I can uh, understand that. Um, for me, speaking about uh, Michael had, um, I guess it's a good segue to talk about this. Uh, first, I'll say that uh, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law are huge Michigan fans. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. huge. Father-in-law is from the east side of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, our house is, you know, our, our family's divided oh, yeah. when it comes to sports. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about that uh, 97 uh national championship and this is before the bcs was in place mm-hmm. uh we as nebraska uh, were declared national champions according to the coaches poll and michigan was according mm-hmm. to the ap poll um it's my question is not about do you feel like you would beat michigan i was doing research on uh coach uh car mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he said that to this day it bothers him because he feels like they were the champions, and he wished he could have played it out. Does that mm-hmm. bother you to this day? Like, like it could be a potential asterisk, like to Michigan fans that Nebraska weren't really the mm-hmm. national champions, or so. Yeah, I I uh, remember uh, getting a hold of the Big Ten commissioner, and I said, you know, why in the world don't we play? Oh wow, and. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, we'd rather played uh, played Washington State and go down there and play Peyton Manning and yeah, and uh, <laughs> they had a very talented football team. But um, and of course the answer came back, well we're we're the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the Big Ten, the Rose Bowl was everything. <laughs> and uh, but you know I think if you look at um, what happened afterwards, you know the 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 players. Ryan Leaf. Yep. And Peyton Manning. Peyton did pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and that was a, we had a pretty decisive win. Yep. But I think the, the, the negative was we had the play down at Missouri, you know, with a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the uh, people in the press thought, well, we were lucky and we were, you know. But there aren't very many times you go through 12 games, 13 games, where you don't have at least one game where the ball bounced 
Yeah. Well the, for the, you. Yeah, yeah, right. And sometimes <laughs> it happens. Tell people all the time. Sometimes it happens in the first quarter. Yeah. yeah. We talk mm-hmm. about so many things happen at the end, but every single play that happened, every mm-hmm. big throw that, that Scott made, every big run that you guys had, that all added up to Matt Davis and hustling mm-hmm. on a last play to get to that ball. You know? So, I mean, I, I, I know you said luck. I'm always like, well, they were, he was hustling. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get to the ball, which is something you teach, right? And that's yeah. something you encourage. Yeah. Well, Scott actually hit Shevin Wiggins. Right in the numbers, yeah. but Shevin got hit. Mm-hmm. Ball came loose, and Shevin <laughs> kicks it, and, and Matt came in there. Yeah, and that was at the end of the game. And uh, but anyway, I I can understand. But I, that's why I really like the playoff system mm-hmm. because yeah. you, you don't have some deal where a conference tie-up keeps the two top yeah. teams from playing. You know, it just yeah. doesn't make any sense. Let me ask you about. USC and, and, and UCLA coming to the Big Ten. So now the Big mm-hmm. Ten goes from Rutgers in New Jersey all the way to Los Angeles. Um, what do you think about that size conference? Um, what do you think about the, the travel? Mm-hmm. You were talking about student-athletes now and the, the amount of travel that'll be. What do you think about that? Well, I was surprised. Those two teams yeah. Yeah. going to Big Ten. I, I, I just didn't see it coming. And right now, TV runs things so drastically. Right. So I'm sure they're looking at, well, if you're playing back at Rutgers, you're Eastern time, and uh, you start start a game at 12 there, then you have a 2.30 kickoff mm-hmm. in Midwest, and then you have a, a, a mountain time or a Pacific coast time, and mm-hmm. so you're, you're going to have uh, most of the windows filled. Yeah. And, of course, that TV contract is going to be Probably right at a hundred million a year. So there aren't any teams in the Big Ten that don't have good facilities. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, they they may be drawing fifty thousand fans, but they still have really good facilities. And um, so, in a way, it's a good thing. But on the way, it, it worries me that uh, TV is driving so much of the of the whole agenda right now. Yeah, I, it seems like it. Yeah, I mean, and a big part of that TV now. <laughs> is there's a lot of gambling dollars across the country going into that. Nebraska now will have casino gambling, eventually going to have sports betting. I know you were a part of gambling with the good life mm-hmm. and opposing that. What, what's your feel now that it looks like we're going to be moving towards having both sports betting and the racinos in the state? Well, <laughs> I was somewhat aware of the fact that uh, there was a fair amount of pressure in coaching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I can remember – having some kind of negative phone calls, uh, not because we didn't win. Oh, <laughs> you know. We didn't beat the point spread. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we, we thought we did enough. And, yeah. uh, and so, uh, and as you know, there's now all these uh, betting possibilities. How many first downs? Props, yeah. Uh, yeah, who, who will uh, play the most a quarterback and – and pretty soon it's not really somebody observing a game for the game itself. Right. They're they're watching the game for all the the uh, money making possibilities, and people inevitably get disappointed because the house is going to take the majority of the money for sure. And it's a, it's a no win deal yeah. in the long run. You yeah. worry about the pressure it puts on the young men as well in the yeah, game. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not just co- it's the players and. Uh, and you know, coaches are 
Of course, players now are paid too. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the coaches are paid to take it, and uh, but I think it's a little unfair to the players. Yeah, thinking about especially about the um, players getting paid the the '90s national title run NIL that the deal the NIL deal would have been crazy for the teams that you were uh, coaching. Um, what what do you, what's your take on? Do you feel like it's been time and the players are? well deserved for nil deal like for myself i'm from the inner city community um um for me i mean i have both parents at home we uh grew up if you want to say so to speak um struggling um i mean you get players like a uh, lawrence phillips um tommy frazier the list goes on amon green all, um you get all these guys especially just thinking about the ones from the inner city do you think that nil is a good thing for the players today and could have been great for the players back then? Mm-hmm. Well, again, I don't know there's a clear-cut answer to it. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, you really have two things working here. One is the transfer portal. Oh, yeah, and that's so right. As a, as a, you know, people say it's like, it's like professional football now or professional athletics. Yeah. Well, it really isn't because in the NFL you have a contract. So you know that... 90% of your players will be back next year mm-hmm. unless they're a free agent. But in college, you could theoretically lose your whole team. Yeah. Or at least you could lose every good player on your team. Yeah. And the people I really, really hurt for are the North Dakotas. Yeah. And the uh, schools that are probably not right at the very top, but they, they have good players. Right. And so they're getting raided, and uh, and that's tough for them. And uh, the thing that could happen is you could say, okay, you can transfer any place you want, but you're not eligible right away. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it used to be. You, yeah. You yeah. had to sit out oh, of here. Yeah, right. Know? And uh, that would throw – but the thing that it really concerns me is that um, there's going to be pressure to try to buy a team. You know, there's one team that was – Highly rated, their their recruiting class was highly rated. Supposedly spent over twenty million dollars. Wow! On their on their freshman class. I hope they win it all. <laughs> so, That's the investment. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the interesting thing was that uh, they didn't have that great a year. You know, it's A and M. Yeah, yeah. And so the the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> the pressure grows. Well, gee, we spent all this money. Yeah. And uh, now maybe. Two or three years down the road, but you know the interesting thing about recruiting is you have all these ratings on recruiting classes, but you really don't know how good a class you had for about two years. Right. Okay. Because I mean, you go maybe you only have half of those guys that you recruited. Yeah. That's are, are rated so high are still there. You didn't have a good recruiting year. Makes and, sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you about the Soup Bowls on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas City's kind of the at least the eastern part of the state's team, mm-hmm. but there are three former Huskers on the Eagles. Um, mm-hmm. You pulling either way for either team? No, I just I just hope it's a good game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. It, both yeah. those quarterbacks. I'm just picturing them in your offense, mm-hmm. either version of your offense, going back to when you were an offensive coordinator all the way through '97. Mm-hmm. Both of them been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Hertz is uh, now Mahomes can move around. Yeah. Yeah, he can buy time. Hertz is probably uh, just the guy that can go get you first down, mm-hmm. 
a little strong, stronger runner, and uh, and I think he's got a pretty good cast around him. Oh yeah, but but certainly Kansas City does too. Should be a really interesting game, and it'll probably come down to who plays best defense, who can slow right. slow the other team down the most, and maybe the kicking game. You know, yeah, be a factor. No doubt about that, Coach. We appreciate it as always. Yeah, thanks for taking the time and uh, and sitting in with us. And it's good to talk to you. Good talking to you as well. Uh, as always, Josh, you're the one that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we do have another show coming up next Thursday. Next Thursday. We'll, be, um, we'll have two good guests on. Uh, both of them you know very well, Josiah and also, uh, help me out. Josh Dotzler. Josh Dotzler, that's right, <laughs> as well. So uh, you go ahead and take us away, sir. All right. Well, Coach, first of all, we thank you for being on 100%. It's great to formally, finally talk with you for a while. Yep. My name is Josh Jones. On behalf of my man, Michael Severe, you know how we do it. It's a Let It Fly show. Media Production.